not a very common scene and doesn't happen that often in terms of a criminal liability for trade secret infringement. I guess this has a lot to do with the nature of the dispute and something to do with the, the chip industry and also Huawei, some of the high-profile companies are involved. For Huawei, I don't think that it's a really a big challenge for them to deal with this case, but actually for them, the bigger challenge is how can that be sustainable for the high silicon, for the sustainability of that? Because without any businesses, how can it just the standards have a better the expansion of the business under the sanction? Chinese companies are increasingly going to be the target of these kind of commercial espionage activities, whether they're small companies, large companies, governments looking to steal Chinese technology secrets. So whether that's a Huawei, whether that's a BYD, whether that's a CATL in advanced battery technology, uh, I would say even China's space program. As China's technology becomes increasingly more valuable, it's going to be the target of more commercial espionage activities. So I think it's going to have to take appropriate measures as well. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to The Chat Lounge. I'm Tu Yun. As China's tech giant Huawei just emerged of the shadow of being suppressed by the United States authorities, the company seems to be facing another challenge. This time, from a firm set up less than three years ago by a former executive of High Silicon, the chip designing company wholly owned by Huawei. The former executive has been arrested together with 13 others and are facing charges related to key chip tech theft from Huawei. So how big a blow is it to Huawei? Will it become another major setback that can hinder its comeback? Joining our discussion are Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, Bai Xianyue, partner of Grandol Law Firm Tianjin Office, and Dr. Zhou Mi, Deputy Director, Institute of American and Oceania Study, Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. A warm welcome to you all, gentlemen. So first, let me begin with um, Andy, our high-tech expert here. Can you please give us a a bit more background information about the case, including uh, who Zhang Kun, you know, the, the former high silicon executive in question is. He obviously is a CEO and co-founder of the company, uh, Pai Communication Technology. And what kind of chip tech infringement are we talking about here? Well, thanks for having me on, Tuyun. Sure, I will do my best. Um, I think there's not a lot of publicly available information about this, so mm -hmm. it'll be pretty short. So Zhang Kun, as you mentioned, is a former High Silicon executive. So High Silicon is the semiconductor unit of Huawei. So he left, uh, established his own company called Zunpai Communications that is focused on Wi-Fi chips. So presumably he's leveraging his work experience uh, expertise, including that acquired at High Silicon, the Huawei chip subsidiary. And what I believe has been publicly reported is that he poached or what he perhaps took trade secrets, proprietary knowledge from a high silicon. So intellectual property that belongs to high silicon recruited other executives 
asking them to take also proprietary information. Mm. So this is what I know about this, and perhaps our other guests can add more mm. uh, to this. Yeah, to my knowledge, um, before joining Huawei, Zhang Kun used to work for Qualcomm, right, Andy? Uh, that's certainly very possible. Yes, I am not aware of that, but um, that would not be surprising. Maybe that would make this whole thing a little bit more sensitive. Then, um, to Dr. Joe, why is the Wi-Fi six or seven chip technologies, the technologies in question, so important? Yeah, we know that the technology of the connections, especially for the wireless connections, are growing very fast. As we know, that the world is facing many challenges, and a lot of uh, Provider of the wireless uh, equipments are trying to make some of unifications before the trade dispute between China and United States. So they are trying to establish a better and unified standards to connect uh, with the different equipments. I mean, uh, with not only for the mobiles but also for a lot of uh, the products and、mm. also some of the things maybe like in the house and also some of them in the in the factories. With、uh, standards,、uh, better standards, so it's faster and easier, and a lot of、uh, facilities for the use of that. Well, for the Wi-Fi six and seven, I think that is a kind of、uh, a phase for a lot of different ideas about how can we connect with other equipments because、mm-hmm. the world is、uh, facing challenges、uh, imposed by United States trying to stop. The process of unification of the standards, so they are going to raise some of their concerns for、uh, United States for the、uh, national security, and、uh, they are not trying to just follow the technology development. So for the Wi-Fi, I think that is a kind of a very common ways for us to connect、uh, among the the households, especially for the households for the equipments connect with each others. So how can we decide what are the trends?、Mm. There are a lot of competitions from different companies providers. Some of them are using a lot of、uh, technology and also mathematics to have a better support for the development.、Mm. So I think that is a very important issue we need to address because there are so many different companies want to be involved. And、uh, gradually in the past, in the short term past, I think there are not so many providers. But now we see more. So the small companies can also provide their solutions in the connections. I mean, for the different equipments.、Mm. You said uh, uh, the U.S.、Uh, doesn't want a unified standard, but according to some reports, this case comes, you know, months ahead of the the voting of a Wi-Fi seven standards. Then,、um, Dr. Joe, how sensitive do you think this case is at this moment? Yeah, I don't know that you know the details about the case because、mm-hmm. they are still in the process by the jurisdictions. I mean, the laws are still you know a lot of facts are not exposed. But I, in my understanding, that、uh, when there are some kind of messages being sent by the、uh, by the police that、uh, there are many people are under arrested, it means that they really have some facts.、Mm-hmm. So from these facts, I would know that、uh, you know in China, the Huawei is definitely one of the leading companies. So they have provided their solutions on the you know the standards for for the world to、mm-hmm. to follow. Well, in this time when there are some other companies are. Involved in the disputes, in intellectual property infringements between them and Huawei, it means that they are not facing some of the challenges by another government. I mean, by Huawei, but also faced some companies are you know after them. So、uh, it's a really important time for us to discuss about the possibilities. And、uh, if I I guess 
there are some code of concerns maybe also raised by other parties that if your companies are not so good at this uh, intellectual property, if there are more companies are claiming that they have their own rights, maybe we cannot accept your plans for from Huawei. Mm. So actually, it's a really sensitive time. We have to, to be confident because, you know, in the past, when the United Kingdoms are arguing about these uh, national security issues with Huawei supply, I mean, 5G equipment, they're also arguing that because of the sanctions from the United States, it's not sustainable for the supply of the products. So they put it in a way of uh, describing or expanding the, the national security for them. Mm. Let's turn to our uh, legal expert here for some um, lawful issues. So back in, in August, um, an executive of Zunpai, the company led by this a former High Silicon um, employee or executive, was reported as saying um, it hasn't received any pleadings from High Silicon and has not yet kicked off uh, litigation negotiations with Huawei's uh, chip arm. So usually, what kind of legal procedures would two companies go through when they have a patent dispute? Negotiation first, followed by uh, litigation, if negotiation fails? Mr. Bai. Glad to be here. Yeah, in reply to the question you just mentioned, it can vary really, depending on the specific situation. Mm. If, let's say, it's a purely civil dispute between two corporate entities, uh, which is the case here, the civil litigation procedure can be much more transparent and predictable compared with the criminal investigation and uh, criminal proceedings uh, after that. In this case here in hand, uh, the criminal apparently, uh, at least according to the publicly available information, the criminal investigation seems to have started and uh, it is, which is a much less transparent process. Mm. But generally speaking, uh, trade secret misappropriation or infringement dispute, usually if it is purely a civil dispute, then it is within the jurisdiction of a court located in a place where such infringement allegedly taken place or where the infringer is domiciled, which in this case is Shanghai apparently. The typical process uh, for a trade secret misappropriation dispute would be like, for example, the plaintiff. Of course, as just mentioned now, uh, there could be negotiations, but those are not mandatory, uh, depending on what's provided within the contract between the parties. Right. Usually, there is a requirement in the provision of the contract that the parties, whenever there's any dispute arises, so the parties are supposed to initiate a negotiation uh, first before uh, moving on. If it fails, then the parties are able to move on to instigate a civil litigation procedure. Mm -hmm. So usually what happens is the plaintiff would file a complaint to the court with a specific information of the parties, the relief to be sought, the factual background and initial supporting evidences, etc. The defendant then, uh, upon receipt of the notification of such claim from the court, and would be given a chance to raise any jurisdiction challenge, if there's any, within a time limit prescribed by the court. And then the defendant also has the option to submit his joinder or, or answer in response to the claim by the plaintiff. So both parties after that would, would be uh, able to give a chance to produce evidence to support their claim, their arguments, etc., and uh, submit their comments and answers to the claims and the rebuttals. Mm. So the court then will move on to fixed date for a hearing. And during the hearing, the tribunal usually uh, composed of one or three judges, depending on the nature and the complexity of the matter, will direct the parties to make their oral submission, conduct factual uh, investigation, 
ordering the parties to present their evidences subject to cross-examination by the tribunal and opposing party. After that, there will be a section for debate where the, part, the tribunal will, in many cases, summarize the issues in dispute, and the parties are then required to make their case and present argument to support their position. The last stage of the proceeding would be, in terms of civil dispute, would be the court then issues the final judgment, which is subject to appeal, of course. And the uh, appeal stage would more or less repeat what happens in the first instance. At the very outset of the proceeding, of course, as what happens in this case, is the plaintiff may also apply for injunction measures, including freezing bank account and other measures available in order to guarantee the enforcement of future rulings, and may also, as a tactic, to compel the opposing parties to concede grounds or to come to the negotiating tables or just to gain an upper hand in the litigation proceeding. So that's the general picture of the proceeding uh, that will happen for a trade secret civil dispute. Right. Thanks for the very detailed information about this whole process. Like you you. said, um, patent infringement is usually a liability civil offense, but it seems this time High Silicon reported it to the police as a criminal case. So what does this tell you? Uh, well, this is quite uh, a bit unusual in that in that sense, because criminal liability for, of course, under the criminal code, the penal code of China, it does provide criminal liability for trade infringement uh, cases like the one we are talking about now. I have to uh, clarify that uh, mm. the dispute here of this case is not, it probably has something to do with the patent. Mm-hmm. But it, it sounds like it is more like uh, this is a infringement of tri- secrets instead of a patent itself. All right. Because it doesn't look that way, at least from what is available uh, now from, from, from the press. Uh, so that, so that, that the, makes it un- said, unusual. Uh huh. Yeah. Infringement. As I said, it's, it's kind of unusual in the sense that right. usually, although we do have the law providing for criminal liability, mm which happens really exceptionally in very serious cases. In terms of the serious, uh, that would usually constitute, at least according to the law, 2.5 million RMB. That is, we're talking about the loss of the party that has been, or alleged has been infringed upon. Mm. And in practice, criminal liability associated with trade secret infringement is not very commonly seen. Uh, I guess this has a lot to do with the nature of the dispute uh, it has, some, has something to do with the, the chip industry and also Huawei, some of the high-profile high companies are involved. Mm. And, uh, of course, the, the stake in this bit is really high, I guess. So, again, it's not very commonly seen and doesn't happen that often in, in terms of a criminal liability for infringement of trade secrets because usually the amount involved in dispute wouldn't be that big and uh, the proof, burden proof is not usually easy to establish. And it's also sometimes uh, difficult to establish the amount of dispute, the amount of, of losses suffered by the uh, rights holders. Right. What kind of amount are we talking here? Billions of dollars? Well, it could be, yes. Uh, according to what I read from the press, chip industry, the amount of sales for Huawei could be, yeah, I mean, uh, annually that could be billions of, of, of Chinese RMB. Mm. So the stake is really high for, for uh, apparently. You're listening to the Chat Lounge. When we come back, will it become a major setback hindering Huawei's comeback? Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. 
the hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. Welcome back. You're listening to the Chat Lounge. We continue our discussion. There are also a lot of other questions surrounding this case.、Um, Andy, one question is why did they do it? Police investigation has found the infringement involved former employees of High Silicon being lured away by by high salaries and、uh, equity incentives. They were were found to be instructed to steal chip technology from High Silicon by taking、uh, screenshots and extracts. But you know they should have signed a non compete agreement and uh, uh, be well aware what they did was illegal. Uh, the time they were enrolled or recruited by Huawei, right, and the loss would outweigh the gain, right? Was it just about money, Andy? Well, I think we don't really know,、um, and I would say to maybe offer an alternative perspective on this. I think the economic impact of this will actually be fairly minor. All right. So we're here talking about Wi-Fi chips,、mm. and. Of course, Wi-Fi chips are used in smartphones. They're used in tablets. They're used in laptop computers. They're used in pretty much any device that would need to connect to the internet over the air, right? And this is only about a certain type of Wi-Fi chip. Lisa, again, this is from reading the news accounts of this、yes. uh, Wi-Fi seven. So this is a Addition and iteration of the Wi-Fi chip that has not even launched yet. So I think, from a pure technology perspective, the impact is probably not going to be very big. Then, if I look at it from a practical perspective,、mm-hmm. so this company Junpai、uh, is a startup,、yeah. and it has alleged that they stole technology、uh, from Huawei. And I'll get to this in a minute. Um, but how much practical value would this actually have? Because Huawei is not just in the business of designing、uh, some chips, but it really is an integrated manufacturer. So it seems to me、uh, that it's pretty unlikely that this would have a major impact on Huawei. So to answer your question, then,、uh, Tunyu, why would people do this?、Mm. Well, well, first, before I answer the question, let me make one other point. I think it's important to distinguish, and I'm not a lawyer, but I think it's important to distinguish between IP theft and infringement. And my、right. understanding is one of the most important factors that differentiate this is intentionality. So a company can duplicate. Another company's technology or IP、mm. without actually stealing it, and to me, it seems that theft is a more severe crime. Right. And what Zhang Kun and these other people and the company, I suppose,、uh, are accused of is actually theft, which to me seems much more severe. It's a crime. Now, right, as as we just heard from our other guest, right. So there,、mm. you know, one is largely a civil offense. Uh, another is is criminal. Right. So why would they do this?、Um, first, I think it's important to point out that this we could consider commercial espionage, right? So, and that commercial espionage has been with us since the early days of civilization. So if we go back to the Phoenicians, so this is、uh, an ancient country 
that existed around where Lebanon is today. Mm. So 1500 BC, they had the most advanced shipbuilding technology of the time. And the Egyptians and the Greeks who wanted to catch up used spies to steal their technology. So the point here is that commercial espionage may not be the oldest profession in the world, but perhaps it's the second or third oldest profession. So why do people do this? Greed, of course, I think is is one reason. If we think about organizations, including countries, fear can be another very, very important motivation. So I'll give you another historical example that is a little more modern. So the United States around the early 1800s felt very frightened because they did not have industrial capacity. And at the time, Great Britain was the industrial leader. So what people like Alexander Hamilton, one of the founding fathers did, was encourage Americans to go to England, to go steal their technology. And one very famous person uh, was Francis Cabot Lowell, who was a Harvard grad, who went to Great Britain, memorized the designs of a power loom. So this was a very revolution. We could think of it as the artificial intelligence of its day, Mm. uh, copied the power loom, which was used in textile manufacturing, brought it back to the U.S. And this laid the foundations for the U.S. becoming an industrial powerhouse. So the point here is why do people do this? They do it sometimes for greed, sometimes out of fear. So uh, why did these individuals do this? I, of course, have no way of knowing. And perhaps no one will ever know, but the only way we'll find out is if this is brought to trial and uh, you know the results are, the details are more publicized. So mm-hmm. I think we really have to see. Right. It's What you said is quite uh, thought-provoking. But um, people are also questioning the role of uh, Huawei's American competitor, Qualcomm, like I mentioned before. Uh, in this case, given the U.S. chipmaker had significantly reduced uh, the workforce at its research center in in Shanghai in um, September. Some industry observers also argue Qualcomm is the biggest beneficiary of um, Huawei or, or High Silicon's uh, Wi-Fi 6 or 7 chip technologies being stolen. So, Dr. Joe, how sensible do you think such suggestions are? Okay, in my understanding, it's, um, it's uh, okay, not just a guess because that's uh, a spy is a very serious uh, problem and uh, in my understanding for the integrated circuit design it's a uh, comparatively new intellectual property compared with other things like the patent and uh, the copyright so for the integrated circuits especially for recent years we see that the size is getting smaller and it's getting more complicated so some companies, uh, if they are requiring to have the intellectual property protection, maybe they have to give some of their designs to the public. Well, nowadays we see that for the design of the IC, the integrated circuits, it is very complicated. You have three-dimension designs. So in the practices, they have a lot of uh, arguments on how much would one company uh, will to give the designs to to the public, you know, mm. the information, or some of them are just the change the some part of the design. 
So there are some kind of degree. We have to identify the degree between the public available or kind of innovation or new designs. So there are a lot of, uh, you know, the boundaries are not so clear to how can we put it in the public and put it in the in the trade secret. So actually for the companies in the competitors, I mean, I have to say that Huawei is leading this company, I mean, the industry for quite a while, but it's definitely not necessary to see that other competitors will steal their, you know, some of the practices. But I think that, uh, you know, sometimes it's not only because of the theft or some kind of the bad behavior. It, it is because of the competition, because of the innovation and because of the supply chains. So, uh, you know, the competitors come here to China. We welcome the investment from the United States and also from all other countries. And they are also uh, contribute to the local uh, GDP or the development of sectors. But we are also requiring them to behave good to according to the practices to every companies they are they're doing the same things so actually i think the competition will be you know getting more serious when a lot of uh, providers are gathering in one place but uh, maybe there were other story i don't know it's just my guess so personally i have to say that the competition is is good thing for for the industries but mm. with some of the involvement of the government to control the competition, like for United States to export control some of the technology to to Huawei is not that that possible or, or realistic. Mm-hmm. That is not fair. Right. So it doesn't it is my understanding. Okay. Andy, what's your observation there? Uh, these two companies, uh, Huawei and Qualcomm, they used to get involved in um, patent disputes, right? Well, you know, again, without more information, it's really hard to say. That's true. I mean Based on what is has been publicly released, I'm pretty skeptical of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that Zhang Kun worked for High Silicon for a number of years, so it's not. It doesn't seem, at least the fact pattern, doesn't seem that he was working for Qualcomm, joined High Silicon for a brief period, stole their technology and left, and went back to work for Qualcomm. Right. Mm-hmm. So if that were the fact pattern. I think that would be a much stronger argument uh, for Qualcomm benefiting. Now, I believe actually Qualcomm is has historically and actually still might be a very important supplier or vendor to Huawei, right? Without that. So in this business of smartphones, uh, other kinds of advanced consumer electronics, the IP is very complicated, and my understanding is one of the most important strategies, especially in the telecommunications part of this uh, hardware business, uh, is that companies like Qualcomm, like Huawei, others look to develop patent portfolios and then sue each other for patent infringement. Uh, but the goal is really to negotiate licensing and cross-licensing agreements. So this is uh, a normal part of business. What is not normal, in my understanding, is the theft of IP. Mm. And again, even though some news reports have called this patent or IP infringement, infringement, again, is a very broad category, but it seems, again, based on what's been reported, the details are that it seems it would be more precise to call it theft. Mm and that calling it infringement is a little bit confusing. So regarding Qualcomm, again, you know, my understanding is that the most important economic aspect of this is the cross-licensing. 
Right. You said the economic um, ramifications of this whole thing might not be that great. But let's suppose if if Zhenpai had started mass production of its chips, what could it mean for Huawei? Wouldn't it come with some big losses of um, a profit? Um, I think that we have to maybe understand a little bit more how this works. So both high silicon and Zhenpai, as far as I know, are not in the business of manufacturing chips. Yeah. So they、They're、are、designers. in the、uh, design business, and they're what are called fabless, meaning that they make the designs, and then the actual fabs or the manufacturers of the chips, whether these are CPUs, whether they're Wi-Fi chips,、uh, etc., are the companies like TSMC, SMIC, SMIC, Intel.、Um, these companies that actually manufacture the chips.、Mm-hmm. So. I don't think that this is very plausible that Junpei could manufacture a lot of these chips.、Um, what I believe they would have to do is again go to a fab and have them manufacture it. So the second part, where I think it's pretty unlikely that it would have a major economic impact on Huawei, is again Huawei is in the business of selling. Devices. So whether these are servers, whether these are back-end telecommunications equipment used by mobile operators, whether they're smartphones, whether they're tablets, whether they're laptop computers, that Wi-Fi chips are very, very small percentage of both the cost and the revenue. So, you know, for those two reasons, I'm pretty skeptical that this could have any sort of major economic impact. Um, that being said, again, I'm only basing this on very, very limited information, so I could be completely wrong here. Then, what's the significance in your mind about this case? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I'm not entirely sure, you know, what the significance is.、Uh, of course, you know, from Huawei's perspective, you never want people to steal your IP. You know, developing intellectual property, technological expertise, whether these are patents, whether these are trade secrets. Um, is is valuable, so you never want people to steal it. You know, I think from the impact of a company like Zunpai, this would be devastating, right? So, this is these are allegations at this point. So, if they're found guilty, of course, the impact would be very large.、Mm. Uh, even if they're not found guilty, the impact would be very large because their reputations would be tainted by this. Now, there's another angle to this story. So this company, Junpei, raised a, a reasonable amount of money. I think it's in the hundreds of millions of RMB,、uh, with some fairly well-known investors. Right. And some of these investors have made public statements saying that they have nothing to do with this.、Mm. So there is some impact potentially、uh, from very reputable companies, investors, because no one wants to be associated with criminal conduct. So I think that these are the different ways that this could have an impact. But again, unless there's you know material information that I'm not aware of, I don't see this as being a very having a large potential financial impact、uh, on Huawei.、Mm. Doctor Joe, do you agree with such an interpretation, or you see it differently? 
And uh, in my understanding, I would say that it's a, it may be a very important case because, you know, when, when we read, reach this uh, arrow of the semiconductors and, you know, the semiconductor sector is one of a very important field for China, United States and other countries to compete with. There are so many attentions has been paid on these actions, on, on the cases, on what are the standards, what are the limitations between the fairly competition and some of the the IP infringement. So if they can give us some of these ideas on you know one person whether they can transfer from one company to another to do the similar things in the limited time or what kind of actions should be clearly defined of the trade secret and also the patent. You know, there are not many good examples mm -hmm. nowadays, especially when the semiconductor sectors are growing very fast. So I think that many companies are seeing that because even in China, we see there are so many small sized companies are involved in the semiconductor designs and a fabulous. Maybe they are able to, to have a better competition in the circumstances. So I think that many of the companies are looking at that. Mm -hmm. Well, for Huawei, it, it, also, it, it is also a giant. And we all know that for the government's functions or functions, it's not only trying to protect the very big companies. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make the competitions more efficiently. So actually, are not only trying to create some giants like to monopoly this market, we are trying to have a better an ecosystem for the development of the sectors. So in this regard, there are some balances between the small ones and the bigger ones. And actually, I would say that it is also reminded us to how can we give some space to the smaller companies while still support the innovation-based actions for the research and development, which is one of the very important advantages for the big companies. They have more money to, to do that. So it's not that easy to look at, you know, very clearly, but we can, maybe we can learn something from mm. this case. Right. Uh, maybe, Mr. Bai, is that the reason why this case um, has been, you know, uh, reportedly been coordinated or been put under the direct oversight of the Ministry of Public Security? Well, yeah, as you know, the other two guest speakers just now mentioned, well, financially, the impact probably isn't that big uh, in, in terms of a the uh, negative or, or adverse impact on, on Huawei, but as a, a IP infringement or, or, or theft of trade secret protection, it is unique in many ways. And uh, this so far has been one of the few, uh, I would say, high-profile cases that uh, involves a criminal investigation. Uh, chip production and uh, semiconductor industry is certainly a critical industry for the, for the Chinese economy. And it also involves huge investment and uh, with uh, enormous profit prospect. And it certainly attracts much press attention as well. And Huawei is, of course, widely hailed as a national champion of innovation and leader in the field of uh, telecommunication. And in the past few years has been engaged in the semiconductor industry. And it seems to be making good progress. So also, I guess the, the status of Huawei uh, in China really gives it a special kind of status that no other competitors can ever dream of. So that is one why, I guess, uh, a lot of attention has been given to this case. Mm -hmm. And the alleged criminal offense, a few executives of the Trump communication, I guess, uh, is probably 
I mean, uh, one of the reasons uh, leading to this uh, investigation, I guess, it, it has a lot to do with the chip industry itself and also the status of Huawei and the investment involved in this industry. Mm. Again, as I said, it, it's not very common in reality. Indeed. As I said, in, uh, under the law, you, you do have criminal liabilities for the uh, infringement of trade secrets or, or theft of, of trade secrets. But in, in reality, it's not very common to see uh, cases uh, involving trade secret infringement leading to criminal uh, investigation or criminal conviction. It's not uh, generally very common to, to, to see. Uh, so that is, uh, I think, uh, something unique or special about this case. And if I may, to you, just sure. add to this, mm -hmm. um, what I think that is important and significant about this case is just as we just heard, is that this actually might send a very clear signal about the importance of IP protection. Right. And, you know, what we've seen in China over the years is that a greater respect conceptually for IP, but also the enforcement mechanisms, uh, including the establishment of special IP courts, you know, other regulations, uh, that this is actually a huge positive, not just for companies like Huawei, but foreign investors as well, because they can say, look, if we come to China, we bring our IP, it will be protected. And if, you know, there's theft, it can be criminally prosecuted. So I think this is, you know, one aspect of this that could make this a very important case. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Andy, you mentioned this um, commercial espionage theory, and uh, like um, Dr. Jomi mentioned, Huawei is actually in a uh, leading position in uh, wireless connection technologies. So there comes such concern that the Wi-Fi 7 chip technologies obtained by Zunpai illegally from uh, High Silicon could have been leaked to foreign companies, and that may threaten Huawei's leading position in this field. Is that a concern to you, Andy? I mean, it's a potential concern. Again, there, with, without more facts and details, it's hard to say. But what we do know is that Zhang Kun is the founder, CEO of a startup company. So he's probably under a lot of pressure to be successful. Yeah. So, you know, we can speculate on all kinds of reasons, but there's something called Occam's razor, right? The simplest explanation is usually the right one. So he needs to succeed and perhaps thought that the fastest, most reliable way is to use someone else's technology, even though it is illegally acquired. Now, if it comes to light that he hmm. had some relationship with the U.S. government, other foreign entities, then of course that would change uh, our understanding. Hmm. But, you know, if we make these speculative leaps without any facts. We could, we can, of course, and who knows, mm. who knows. But it seems the most direct explanation is that he's under a lot of pressure to build a successful startup. And this is why he did this. And again, I have no idea. Right. Yes, that, yeah. that's basically what, what I, I would say about right. that. Right, it's understandable. But Dr. Joe, then that means this whole patent theft or, or infringement, it won't become a major setback that could hinder Huawei's comeback, right? Like we mentioned in the beginning of the show, the company just emerged yeah. of um, U.S. oppression. 
Yeah, actually, uh, in my understanding, there are also, you know, Huawei is trying to have a better field of uh, not only for the new fields, but also to keeping its own advantageous uh, sectors. Well, this sector is one of them. So Huawei has already a lot of uh, patents on many things. And uh, for the designing of the chips, I think that it is also a lot of, you know, achievements um, made by Huawei before the sanction of the United States. So when they are trying to talk about this thing, I would say that uh, the, there may be some kind of, uh, you know, the distinguished distinguish, uh, between the personal efforts and the company's patents or other intellectual property as the person maybe has a CEO, but it cannot be just his own effort. So there are more teams. They are all actually, it's not only about the company to the, another company. It's also about the person to the team or to the company. There are so many relations we have to deal with. So for Huawei, I don't think that it's a really a big challenge for them to, to deal with this case. But actually for them, the bigger challenge is how can that be sustainable for the high silicon for, you know, for the sustainability of that? Because without any businesses, how can you just the standard uh, have a better, you know, the expansion of the business under the sanction? Mm -hmm. That is uh, one of the very big challenges for, for me to concern about Huawei. But I would say that uh, there are so many possibilities. So we are talking about, you know, the high end, the expansion of the businesses, but also we see that there are more, not that high end, maybe for the civil use, for the air conditioners, for the refrigerators, for many of the, you know, the, the development of the, even the electricity cars. And uh, I would say there are many possibilities of the environment do not need such a high end chips. And Huawei is trying to explore this feels a lot. So it's it definitely wouldn't have any any harm to be inflicted on China's national security, right? Okay, in my understanding that national security is a very wide and ever developing concept. So the national security maybe uh, in my understanding is uh, something to do with uh, not only one company, not only one sector, but the whole country or at least a very big share of the people and also some of the manufacturing or the modes that, you know, like for the trade and investment to develop, to have a sustainable development in the future. So in this regard, I would say that uh, people are trying to get more ideas about the national security. And recently, in the recent years, we see more discussion, more concerns by so many different countries. So they are expanding the concept of national securities are with, with a wider attempt and that is not definitely not good for the businesses to operate so for us i, I think that uh, you know we are also have some kind of uh, react according to other countries behaviors mm -hmm. so uh, it's a it's kind of uh, you know the concept that it's ever developing but maybe it has something to do with uh, you know the sustainability of the sectors and also the technology development so or generally speaking, it's kind of some good news about this um, case. Then let's move on to the possible solution and lessons we can learn from this case. To our legal expert here, Mr. Bai, how may this case end? Is it mm -hmm. possible the conviction against the 14 suspects might be reversed? Mm -hmm. For this case in particular, I guess, it, at least it seems, uh, according we have known, from the uh, public available information, uh, the news report. It seems that a criminal investigation has uh, officially started and uh, how this case will end to a large extent 
will depend on the result and the procedure of the criminal investigation because mm. under the Chinese law, the criminal investigation in many cases would uh, prevail over the civil uh, dispute proceedings. That means before, well, there are exceptions, of course, but generally speaking, the civil dispute, the civil proceedings will probably have to be suspended before the criminal investigation uh, comes to a conclusion. That is to say, the civil proceedings will take into account those investigation results from mm. the criminal process. Uh, of course, the result could be in different scenarios. I mean, resulting in different cases. For example, the, uh, I mean, the criminal investigation could find the suspects uh, innocent after investigation. They could be exonerated or there could be criminal uh, conviction. Mm. So depending on the result of a such criminal investigation and later on a criminal charge and the court trial, etc. So that will take quite some time, I guess. But if the criminal proceeding could, let's assume, uh, exonerate those suspects, then the civil proceeding could then start. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to uh, the, the civil dispute, I guess it has a lot to do with the, one of the critical issues to be decided is uh, whether the uh, alleged infringement or theft of trade secrets uh, or unauthorized use of trade secrets, etc., whether those trade secrets or whether those uh, uh, proprietary information is distinctive from the trade secrets of the right holders, and that is Huawei. There's a preliminary burden proof on the right holder to basically demonstrate or give a reasonable explanation of the distinctiveness of the secrets of its proprietary information and those of the publicly available information. And at this point, then the alleged infringer needs to prove that information has entered into the public domain or is uh, legally obtained or is not protectable under uh, trade secret law, etc. And both in civil and criminal proceedings, the uh, suspect or the defendant could find defenses in different scenarios. Uh, there are ways, that is to say, for the defendant or for the suspect to basically defend itself against the secret uh, misappropriation allegation. Those offenses could include, for example, the plaintiff or is not owner of the asserted trade secret, uh, that is, Huawei is not a real owner of the such uh, trade secrets. All the inf information, as alleged, does not constitute a trade secret under Chinese law because there are requirements or uh, certain proprietary information to be categorized as trade secret. There are three requirements. Right. Uh, it has to be secret information and has uh, commercial value and confidentiality measures have been put in place to protect such proprietary information, etc. Another way to defend itself is to basically uh, demonstrate or establish that the information disclosed or used by the accused infringer is not substantially the same as trade secret asserted. Mm. And uh, another way to basically exonerate him himself is to demonstrate to the court that the accused infringer acquired trade secret through a legal means that is uh, a legitimate uh, you know, way of uh, acquiring such trade secret, for example, through its independent research and development programs or reverse engineering, etc. So depending on the specific scenarios that may probably 
play out in the next few months or few years even, we will see uh, different uh, scenarios that might happen down the road. I don't know if it's appropriate, but uh, let's make it a little bit uh, simpler for, for me and uh, our listeners here. Just take um, mm-hmm. Zhang Kun, the uh, CEO and co-founder of Zhenpai, as an example. If convicted, what kind of a punishment will he face you know uh-huh. in that's China. Uh, the criminal uh, criminal offense liability right. mm. uh, under Chinese law the infringer uh, may be if convicted of course sentenced to a uh, three years imprisonment with a criminal fine with the amount of uh, money to be fined and that will depend on uh, the amount of the loss to the uh, trade secret owners if in exceptional cases where the uh, loss of the rights holder is what we call very severe, causing a serious consequence, the monetary standard for such allegation is whether the loss can be proved to have amounted to 2.5 million. So in that case, the infringer may be subject to a uh, three to seven years. So those are the criminal punishment if conviction can ever be uh, established. Mm, there, are, there are reports that Zhang Kuen is a, a U.S. citizen. Would that affect um, the result or the, the punishment he is going to take? Or, mm-hmm. well, Generally speaking, a foreign citizenship does not in itself examine the suspect being subject to criminal investigation and a criminal offense and uh, uh, liability uh, mm. at a later stage. And the proceeding will be more or less the same, except there are requirements for the place to inform the consulate of its citizenship and offer the chances for for visit or seek legal representation in order to ensure his uh, legitimate right uh, under Chinese law. For example, access to legal counsel and legal rights are respected throughout the proceeding, etc. So when it comes to criminal sanction or liability, there will be no significant differences as such. Okay, thank you for your clarification. And the last question to you all, the lessons we can learn from this case, actually, uh, you've all touched upon that, for instance, um, uh, IP protection that China mm-hmm. should reinforce in this area. On this uh, question, shall we start with um, Dr. Joe, please? Okay, uh, in my understanding that uh, intellectual property is uh, a very important thing that we have to respect. And sometimes in the past, it's, uh, it's uh, some kind of uh, visible things that we can you know, uh, actually see, like the book. But now we are seeing there are more forms, like in the agreements between China and the RCEP countries, they are also in, include the, uh, some of the materials from wider areas. So it's expanding its, co- its coverage and the range. So I, I, I would say that uh, for the new technology, for some of the the leading areas like for artificial intelligence, there will be more disputes. So we have to be carefully design that and trying to deal with that with a better attention and a better coordination. All right. And uh, Mr. Bai? Oh, yes. Uh, from the legal perspective, there are lessons to be learned uh, for companies or IP owners that are engaged in particularly in, in high-tech industries. There are important lessons to be learned. Uh, first of all, employment contract with key staff or employees that have access to uh, critical know-how, important technical or commercial proprietary information and trade secrets, for example, uh, have to be carefully drafted and constantly reviewed and updated in in order to protect the interest of the company. Uh, In terms of the scope and contents, you need to really set forth in explicit and unambiguous uh, terms the obligations and covenants for the uh, employees to commit to 
to make sure uh, non-competition and confidentiality are uh, complied with. Uh, secondly, companies have to uh, take appropriate measures to ensure that a solid internal uh, risk control system and secret protection mechanism are in, in, in place. The terms and provision need to be emphasized by way of uh, both letters in the contract and even brought to the attention uh, orally in the process of contract negotiations and, and before uh, execution. Trade secrets, uh, in order to, as I mentioned just now, in order to be regarded as trade secret, has to fulfill uh, certain criteria before they can be subject to legal protection. Mm. So those are something that the company should be aware of. Uh, lastly, uh, executives of the company who have key uh, technical information or owns certain patents or know-how that are critical for the success of the company uh, have to be treated with particular care and the employer or the company has to have the contract designing a way to cover risks of uh, patent licensing, assignment, technology leakage, uh, liability over infringement of third parties and potential legal liabilities and a breach of contract by such key employees. Uh, so for certain industries, those are the special sort of tips they have to be aware of and take into account in their business management. Right. Fair enough. And last but not least, Andy, please. Sure. So I think the lessons learned here are twofold. So the first is that, uh, again, if we think of this as a kind of commercial espionage, that this kind of behavior is as old as human civilization itself, Mm. and it's not going away. I think that's the first lesson. The second lesson is that Chinese companies are increasingly going to be the target of these kind of commercial espionage activities, uh, whether they're small companies, large companies, governments looking to steal Chinese technology secrets. So whether that's a Huawei, whether that's a BYD, whether that's a CATL in advanced battery technology, Uh, I would say even China's space program, because China is increasingly at the frontier and uh, making very important advances in technology. So just as there was a very famous bank robber in the United States called Willie Sutton, Mm. and when he was arrested, he was asked, Willie, why do you rob banks? He said, because that's where the money is. (laughs) So similarly, As China's technology becomes increasingly more valuable, it's going to be the target of more espionage, uh, commercial espionage activities. So I think it's going to have to take appropriate measures as well. Mm. And another small lesson, get good lawyers. And on that note, we've come to the end of our chat. Thanks to Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization. Bai Xianyue, partner of Randall law firm Tianjin Office, and Joe Mi. Deputy Director of Institute of American and Oceania Study, Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation, for sharing your insights. The show is available on all major podcast platforms. If you have anything to say about the topic or the show, please email radio at cgtn.com. I'm Tuyun. Thank you for being with us. We'll chat again next week. Discover the realities and responses to our changing climate with Climate Watch. Uncover critical issues such as the Masai Mara's disrupted wildebeest migration and the drop in the Panama Canal's water levels. Delve into solutions for a sustainable future. 
Tune in to Climate Watch on your favorite podcast platform. Become more eco-conscious and take action to protect our planet.